Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Guys, do you wear makeup? Because it's becoming a thing. <laughs> yeah. Men are getting, not even, I mean, of course, men have been wearing makeup for years and years and years and have years. They? Yes, they have. Uh, and uh, But now these large makeup brands are recognizing that there is a market for male makeup needs, and they are advertising to this market. And they're trying to, I mean, I... Personally, I'm offended by a lot of the marketing that they're doing because <laughs> they are they're no their gender. I don't think makeup has a gender, first off, and and it doesn't need to be gendered. And they're making the products for male makeup like it's like you're not even wearing makeup. Wait, wait, tell me the perfect male makeup commercial, Alan. <laughs> well, okay, Alan I'll show pictures you. Tilda Swinton <laughs> in like a bowl cut. No, 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 in like silver like they do these things where like. The man, it's all—it's always on Instagram and stuff. So that's where commercials are now these days. And they, the, the man sitting there in the window or in the mirror, and he's putting on like the concealer under his eyes for the dark circles under his eyes, yeah. you know. And he's blending it out and stuff. And then he cooks, and it's like he has a beer in his hand, and he's just like, <laughs> "It's like I'm not even wearing anything." You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's so that's masculine. When mean, re- and and to me, what pisses me off, and Michael and I were talking about this, what pisses me off about it is that. Makeup doesn't need to be gendered. Makeup well, new has makeup. always been for men and women. There's new makeup for men called. Uh, Wait, what wha- you, when you say uh, makeup for men, what do you mean? Well, I, I they're saying that there's makeup for men. That they're introducing lines yeah. specifically targeted towards there's men. A, a line called war paint. Yeah. that has started this conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, somehow I missed that. I didn't read about war paint. It has to be. That is a little excessive. It has to be like a war situation for a man to put on right. paint. When I'm just saying like. I, well, apparently the war paint is literally just makeup, but they're it's just makeup. They're calling it war paint. paint. Well, yeah. I will say, I actually think this is this was really interesting, and it makes a lot of sense. I remember I had a friend in college who wore like a little bit of concealer because he had acne, which is something I'll get into later. But I also, I mean, I I don't think war paint is ridiculous, but it's I I can respect the fact that it's a leap if you're marketing to men, it's mm-hmm. a leap. Uh, even though makeup shouldn't be gendered, I would agree. I do think it is gendered. And I, I just in think, what way? What do you mean? Like it's marketed gen. It's it's marketed toward women, and that's what makes it gendered. Uh, sure. I mean, makeup is they. It's yeah. I mean, I think I think society. Women. If you ask society who uses makeup, ninety eight percent of people will instantly say women use makeup. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like the actual product, the use of the product. I don't care about where it's marketed. I don't care about what package it comes in. Even though, yes, I agree, the marketing, the packaging, everything is geared towards a female audience because that is the main. You know, because of the way our country and our society works, that is the group the market that buys it but what i'm saying is the actual product using the product men don't use it because it's what quote unquote women use when in reality it is just a tool to make yourself look the way you want to look to the world 
when you leave or when you're in your home or whatever you want to do. Sure. And so when I say it's not gendered, what I'm saying is your friend in college who had to go probably to fucking Sephora or Ulta or whatever and buy that foundation and had to look through the if and if he was a person of color, he probably had to look through four different shades of foundation and had to buy three different shades just to get the one shade that is his shade. He wasn't. But and yeah. but what I'm saying is like that yeah, that's yeah. also a problem. Yeah. And but yet. You you'd have to go there and to buy that and to wear that. That he wasn't buying a female product. He was just buying makeup. Was, yeah, I, I I hear what I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And I yeah. think if we keep continue on this thing, it it makes a shameful for men who do need to do that. So your friend. Probably, maybe, I'm, I don't know your friend, but maybe he was embarrassed to go to Ulta and buy that foundation, but he had these acne problems and he had to solve it. And, like, he shouldn't have that embarrassment because makeup isn't gendered. I had, I had a freshman year uh, in which in college— Elliot used I, to powder his balls. <laughs> <laughs> I played around and I would I dyed my hair a, a decent amount freshman purple? year. Purple? Please tell me yeah. purple. Like midnight blue. But did you wear blue. makeup? I did. <laughs> yeah. Not like, not like eyeliner or anything, but I was like— Oh, this will like, I, I think this some. I guess somebody was like, oh, this will like smooth your skin out or something. Mm. I didn't have like acne or anything. I had, maybe I had like a little bit of yeah. Something, you're also but, 19, so you don't need to really smooth your skin out per se. But well, yeah, it's gross. It was, yeah, ugh. I um, did. But anyway, point being that like I did it, I tried it, and like it made me feel good. Yeah, it made me feel good to be able to like. I don't know, just like it, I clearly wasn't like caked in makeup, but right. it was yeah. enough concealer that I was like. This is a cool thing. I'm literally giving the thumbs up sign, but it felt like a yeah. I I mean, helpful. I I do wear makeup. I've worn makeup for a long time. I, it doesn't. I mean, I don't. Sometimes I go. Do you I, wear war paint? No, I do not. I do not wear war paint. <laughs> it almost no, didn't sound like you for a second. But I right? do. I do wear the things that. And it's not that I'm. I don't like the way I look, and I do something to make myself look better. It's that I want to just present myself to the world the way I feel like I want to look. And so, like, I have really large pores, so I put a primer on and I put a foundation on to cover up my pores to try to give me something of a flat surface, a smooth face, you yeah. know? Yeah, you do. Uh, you have very large pores. I do. I have very large pores. You have Your pores are, I mean, they're repellent. <laughs> no, but no, what I'm saying is, like... I'm kidding. You know, I've never noticed that about We shouldn't pores. have to, you know, probably because I'm wearing great makeup. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we shouldn't... So I'll use a toner or I'll, I'll use a, a bronzer to give myself a little bit more color because I'm super pale. Um, and, you know, just little things to... So this is this is when I was reading about this, um, doing my prep. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, honestly, it makes sense to me that, that there would be some market for men who want to use makeup because at the end of the day, we all do the same things to make ourselves look better across the board. We wear braces, we we all go to the gym, even if we do it in slightly different I ways. I mean, yeah, and not everyone goes to the gym. <laughs> even if we do it in our own slightly different ways or gendered ways, yeah. so to speak. Uh, I mean, we all still do these things. We care about our hair and all this stuff. So it kind of makes sense that the one that that <laughs> that men commandeer the one thing that women have yeah. the quote used the most, which is makeup. Right. Uh, also, there's a world of these these Guys who I don't know, I don't know who they are, but I've seen the pictures of them. I guess they're like makeup artists on Instagram that I'm mm -hmm. like, who, who's Jeffrey Star? Who, who is the guy? There was a guy yeah. that you were like, I'm not, he's losing the followers this yeah, week Yeah, James or Charles, yeah. I'm like, wait, so well, are, they're makeup do women, artists. do women like them? Yeah, they do. They because do. they're, I mean, they're, they're doing looks that are different and women want to experiment with different looks and men are, think that makeup is a woman thing, so they don't. 
participate. Thank God there are male makeup artists out there who are doing things not just on women but on men. And drag is another great example of this that's allowing a whole other culture. I mean, unfortunately, I think it's only going to queer people. Only queer kids are Mm. seeing this because I don't think a lot of straight kids are being like, oh, maybe if I want to – Maybe if I want to highlight my cheekbones or, like, I feel uncomfortable about my double chin and I don't know what to do about it, and they think that they have to go have plastic surgery or anything, and it's like, no, bitch, just contour. Literally, just contour this area what? of your of – your, wait, wait, wait. Just contour this area of your body, and it will give yourself a shadow. And the thing is, is, like, these people, Jeffree Star, James Charles – I don't like James Charles, but Jeffree Star and others – are showing people that there are things you can do with makeup to make the thing that you're uncomfortable with – a little bit better. I, so, uh, I, I, again, totally on board. I'm going to play devil's advocate, though, for a second. <gasps> <laughs> I mean, I think, wouldn't you make the argument, and this is an argument I was going to say regardless of what you just said, mm-hmm. wouldn't you make an argument that we don't, we shouldn't need makeup, we shouldn't be embarrassed about that part of our chin or whatever. I'm not again, I'm not saying this is realistic. I know that the world exists and there's judgment. Yeah, you're saying how can you how but can people also, say be yourself, love your body and then at the right. same time uh, oh, well, shouldn't shouldn't the is it a pro, I mean, shouldn't the trajectory be not men using makeup to look better, but that no one should have to use makeup yeah. to feel better. So I mean, sometimes of course, I'm blown, sometimes I am blown away when I think about the idea because my sister doesn't wear a lot of makeup. When she does, it's like, oh, that, that's like that's fun. Yeah. And I and I always think like, you know, or not always, but when I think when I think of like my female friends and the way they use makeup, and often it's not it's not a lot of it. It is mind blowing to think that women, especially, are conditioned from a young age to paint their faces to, quote, look better, and we as guys are not expected to do so. Yeah. That's just like a, that's just like a wild uh, well, um, I think, uh, observation mm-hmm. sometimes. I think, I mean, so on two things. Um, I think that part of what, what you just said, Elliot, is changing a little bit in that women, I hope at least, are, you know, we're at a place where women are using makeup not so much to quote unquote look better, yeah, but to, to feel better about f- how they look, to feel better about how they look, but also to present the world on how you feel that day. And it's some artful. days you feel it can like be artful. It, oh, it can be very artful. But some days you feel like you want to be more red, so you put on red lips and red eyeliner, and you do something. To, you know what I mean? You do eye, eyeshadow. And, and from that aspect, I can see how it could be fun. And it's art. as a guy. To want to explore, like exactly. obviously you might feel uh, this is this is gay, this is effeminate, whatever. Mm-hmm. But never that. With all that being said, it's like I can see as an artist how it'd be fun to want to in- explore that. Exactly. Elliot and wants, then, well, and Ellie wants to explore what, a black to what, lip. <laughs> to, <laughs> don't do a black lip, Ellie. I'm not Rihanna. To what you said, Brent, I get that. I totally get that. And yes, it would be amazing if we lived in a world where you know everyone could just be accepted for who they are, yeah, the right. way they look. And I I do think that a lot of times people wear makeup to fit. In, in certain situations, especially it's unfortunate that sometimes in certain business situations, women are expected to do a certain thing or female candidates are expected to look a certain way yeah. that men don't have to. And that's horrible. That said, like in my situation, and I think a lot of people's situation, you don't wear makeup because you feel uncomfortable about the way you look. That might be a catalyst. And yes, I don't like necessarily my double chin. And there, I know that there are ways I can work around that with makeup to look good in pictures and stuff mm-hmm. and not have to have face tuning and all these things. Mm-hmm. And even though I do have face tune. <laughs> um, but like, like 
you know, you there are things that you can do. So it's not so much that like I don't like the way I look and it's it's a rat on how I look and I'm trying to cover something up. It's more like I want to look the way I feel in my head. And 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 if I if my head says I want to have some highlighter on my cheek and I want to have my lips really sort of glossy, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I can do that. I'm all about. I think it's. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all, all about it. it. Allow me to stress. I wasn't. I wasn't saying. That no, totally. People, I know. You know, should stop wearing makeup. But what I'm but, saying is, yeah. like, I think there's this con- There's this idea out there that you know people wear makeup to cover up sort of what they don't feel good about. I mean, I feel but like in reality, some people do. Some people some do, people and that's... And, and, but in reality, I think the vast majority of people, you feel good when you put on makeup because you feel pretty yeah, to yourself. I, I could have used makeup in high school when I would have a monster pimple and they were always around my mouth. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> always. It's so You have great lips for lipstick. You have great Both skin. Things. You have yeah. great skin. Yeah. I, I well. Please, as you bark. It's barf, true. But yeah. I, I used to have really bad acne, and I was very insecure about sure, it. Sure, as we all were. But I, uh, I, would you have worn makeup on those? Did you wear makeup on those pimples? Uh, probably not, because you can still see it. It's even a, it's kind of crazy. I think I forget what movie it was. Yeah, I hate when people do that to cover up pimples. Elijah Wood in one of the um, fucking what, Lord what, of the Rings. Lord of the Rings movie. You can see like his acne underneath his yeah. his makeup, and you're like, man, mm. goddamn, you must have I just really love, bad acne if mm. you can see. I love for me, like you know, I have to shave every day, and it yeah. sucks. I hate it, and and but and because of that, I, there's a lot of like uneven red skin all over the place, mm. and it's not that I think I look bad. It's just that I would like an even. You would frame. like a red face. You I would want yes, a red I want an all red face. No, but yes. I would like a like an even skin tone. You know what I'll I mean? I'll tell you one thing. I, I watch uh, The Real Housewives of New York very passively. I'm not really interested in it, but I still like watch it in the background for some sometimes. Very passively, everyone. Well, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But I mean, like I watch right it, I don't, television, but I don't right. pay attention to it. And I saw uh, Bethany Frankel did a scene without any makeup, and she mm. was like, "I look horrible. I look horrible." She looked bad. It, it was oh. it was rough. <laughs> well, I was like, let's, no, no. Let's, she let's, was saying she was saying she like, looks different from how you are used. No, no. To she her. was saying I look terrible. I need makeup, makeup, makeup. Yeah. And it was it was just I'm not. She just looked it looked jarring. And yeah. she was yeah, the one who was yeah. saying it too. But it was like, I get it. I get it. I totally yeah. get yeah. it. But I'm also like I feel bad that anybody would have to be like, oh, fuck. Well, you, you yeah. know what I used to do to cover my pimples, right? No, I would use a bag. Use the the sticky part of the Band-Aid because it kind of blends into <laughs> your skin. <laughs> and you don't think people noticed? No, of course people noticed, but it was better than having a pimple on your face. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. No, I think, <laughs> no, I, I, think I, I would have opted the pimple. No, pimples are so embarrassing. No, I still do aren't. it whenever I have like a really bad one. A, no, a, a piece of the Band-Aid? Yeah. <laughs> They aren't yeah, bad I just, at I cut, all. I just cut my forehead shaving. <laughs> See, that's when you should get, I think that's the time to try out concealer. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe moving forward. Or bronzer or something. He doesn't need bronzer. He's got perfectly, like, tan oh. Grecian skin as it is. <laughs> Barf. <laughs> Not even joking. We actually have a very special guest uh, on the podcast today. A Such a hilarious comedian, friend of all of ours. One of my favorite people in the world. Everyone, please welcome Lizzie Cooperman. Lizzie I just Cooperman. Did, I, 
Wouldn't it be funny I just if did you it like I, I'm on stage and I'm yeah. introducing her as an MC. We Lizzie, love you, we Lizzie. Love you. Oh we my all collectively love you for we years you. now. That's how the feeling is so mutual. Yeah. I truly can't even believe I'm here. I can't yeah. even believe it. I can't quantify my excitement. Yeah. Yeah. You when I got the are email. so special. When I got the email, that's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Wait, I, know. Can I, can I, can I got I the share? message from Elliot and I was like, it's time. Well, no, I have to say, last week, I you, you were listening to, I did an episode of Mall Talk um, on Forever It's Dog. such a funny podcast. Yeah, you so were fun. great you on, were on it, too. Thank you. And he, I've asked he, to do it. No response. <laughs> uh, still waiting to do Mall Talk. Do you, you like malls, too. I yeah. do like yeah. malls. Oh my um, God. Anyway, I, I was on Mall Talk. You would listen to my episode of Mall Talk. We were texting, and then immediately I texted Brent and Elliot being like, why isn't Lizzie on the show? <laughs> she, oh, and and then it just, and Elliot was like, calm down, it's happening. <laughs> I'm so happy about it. But I stopped by the pretzel place very excited with you I, on my phone and my oh boyfriend my being like, calm down. I love it. Uh, I, I will share, very early on, I will share my favorite Lizzie Cooperman story. Uh, in case you aren't familiar with Lizzie Cooperman, she's a hilarious, uh, incredible stand-up comedian. You live in, uh, obviously you live in L.A., and also, like, I would say you're kind of in touch with, like, a spiritual side. Mm. Um, Namaste. And I remember once I, I texted you. I was like, hey, do you want to, like, go to a show or do you want to get a beer or something? And Lizzie wrote back. <clears throat> she said, uh, I can't. I'm giving a tarot reading to a guy I met on Tinder in the park. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was like, you are the oh, greatest no. human being. What was that <laughs> like? That's yeah, what was right. that about? <laughs> I went. What's crazy is that was actually like I only went on a few Tinder dates, and that seemed to be one of the more successful ones. Really? Oh, was Except, it in the cards? <laughs> well, he did something strange with the cards, which usually I go, I'll hand them in cards and be like, just get your energy on the cards, mm. like get mine off of them, get yours onto them, shuffle them around. But instead, he like laid them down and started like smearing them all over this picnic table, and I was like, "That's what are you creepy." Doing? Wait, like, wh- wh- that was kind of psychotic uh, a little. Like it felt I- like a trait that would be listed of someone who will kill yeah. you. Yeah, smearing, car- smears cards, yeah. Like, smearing tarot cards, like, kills animals, them and, I was and like, smears tarot cards. I'm like, okay, yeah. no, I guess I have to clean up your mess. Wait, wh- why did you? Did you go? Do you go into the date? This is the first date. Yes. Do you go into it saying? As a fun activity, I will read. I yeah, will how read did your the tarot cards, cards oh, come up? I think I had one picture of me. Oh, I think there was one really good photo of me reading tarot oh. that someone took. Yeah, where like the light was coming in a good way. That's perfect. You know, I I was not bloated that week, and it was <laughs> yeah. just like this is the one. And so I think he was like, it would be fun to do a tarot reading. Yeah, which is in a way like I'd love to come see your show. Yeah, like, you're yeah. doing the work, kind of. Yeah, right. it's, it's a bit improv-y. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, I've had except that it's all in the too. stars. But yeah, 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 yeah right. <laughs> oh my gosh, it actually so is funny. scripted. I <laughs> jump. I, I normally, when it comes to first dates, I like to sit down. I, I like to get drunk, and I like to see your face, and we can chat. And I get to you know like to you get better. drunk. Or you like right. to get comfortable. Uh, no, comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, comfortable to right, drunk. Right, just like be able to take the. Nerves I don't get shit faced. <laughs> I know when you I don't say show drunk, up, like, it's a funny three, three drinks <laughs> in, and then. But I love, um, yeah, I will leap at an opportunity when someone, what once once a decade offers anything a little outside of the box. <laughs> For a date, right? Uh, I even went. to, This is kind of dumb. I went to a Dave and Buster's with this guy on a second date. Yeah, I remember years this. Ago. Yeah, this was actually years ago. But you are it was... so closeted, gay dude in Kansas City, Missouri, <laughs> and I love it. Uh, I love but it. Was, it. I mean, obviously, it was kind of tongue in cheek. 
I have to preface by saying it was tongue in cheek, but it was. It was, and it was really fun. You know, we just got really sugary pina coladas, mm. and they were nine dollars. Yeah, what did you play? I'm a skee ball guy through and through. Sure. Uh, I'm Slow sure hand. a couple of Are the, uh... you a Dave or a Buster? Yeah, it was I mean it was fun, but you my know. thing with my new thing with, with first dates, and this is something that I share with Brent, um I'd forget if you came up with it or I came up with it first, but the idea is that um often on dates uh, they will ask you nothing about themselves. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's not a matter of being, like, egotistical. I'm just, it's about an exchange of information, right. a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so my new thing is to literally say, do you have anything you want to ask me? Me too. Or, me too. Yes. Do I you started have, doing Do you have that. anything you want to ask me? Wait. Wow. Wait, you say I, that to I, them? Yes. Oh, I started saying. I would hate being on a date with you. But it's no, not a matter no. of me being, I'm not trying to be antagonistic. I'm just waiting for a response after I've been asking about their life. Of course. And nothing happens. And then I go, do you have, do you have anything you well, want to ask Here's, here's yeah. what happens. Here's, but don't you know it's not a click then? It doesn't match? No, but yes. But at the same right. time, it's like, isn't a conversation what two human adults do on a date yeah. or in general in the world? I, I, yes. I do this all the time. I get 45 minutes in. And, and I will also preface by saying I'm, I'm, I don't like silence. So I'm, I try to avoid that. So I'm always, th- you know, not only I'm engaged in the conversation, but I'm also the kind of guy that I won't let more than two tenths of a second go by before there's a new question. <laughs> so perhaps that's a little bit aggressive for some people who, you know, if there was a two second moment of silence, they would ask me a question. But regardless, I find I get angry. So I'm 45 minutes in. We, he hasn't asked me anything about myself outside of some dumbass like, what's your favorite color or whatever. <laughs> and so instead sexy. of leaving the date pissed off, I I... I do that where I'm like, hey, now it's your turn to ask me something. <laughs> oh my god! And it's you a little guys. aggressive, but I, it's, but it's I, not a little. I, it's very aggressive. I don't well, think it's they a... need to learn no. how to communicate. Here's my thing with that. Well, all I'm saying Wait, is Lizzie's that nodding too. Like, do you agree? It's that, aggressive or not? No, I I would also say something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a guy once asked me, yes, but the what's your favorite color thing is so fun because it's like some people's idea of what to learn oh about God. another person is yeah. so basic Wait, wh- that it terrifies me because it makes me feel like, oh God, maybe I have too much life experience mm-hmm. for this person yeah. and that they like to just be a what's your favorite color type of yeah. person. I don't know. Wait, you said you said a, a guy once asked me, I want you to finish oh, that thought. Oh, a guy once asked me, do you like music? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, what? See, my favorite like, bit, a favorite bit of mine is, just, is the idea of somebody who says, I don't like music. I just said that today. You don't you like don't, music? I don't like music. I don't like you music. you do like music. No, I don't. You listen to music. Well, of course, I listen to it if it's on, but I never what? go out of my way. I hate live music. I don't care if I'm listening but, but to music listen in the car. Music. You're wearing a music t-shirt You're wearing a right Tina now. But not for her music, for her essence. Are you telling me you don't have an iPod I, Nano at home? No, I don't. You're me? No, I mean, I just don't give a fuck about music. I don't. And I just, but you it, listen to it. Well, you say listen, but what do you mean by listen? Do you mean actively engage in what I'm listening to, or do you just mean like, oh, something's on your your car radio is you have an album on or a playlist on when your no. turn, car is turned on michael just selects <laughs> the music that is played in the car i pity i go along i listen to the same miley cyrus oh. album 47 times and then 
my parents are, are kind of like And then I request, hey, can we listen to a podcast? Okay, but yeah. what Lizzie's saying, and let me, I don't, not to put words in your Please. mouth, what you're talking about, if we're talking about the sort of banal questions on a first date, when somebody says, do you like music? <laughs> right. It's like you and, like you and I, Lizzie right. and I are both musicians. So of mm. course we like music. But aside from that, the dearth of, mm-hmm. of, of joy or 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 yeah. life in somebody who do, who actively doesn't listen to any music that to me is like that's a sign of no it's not you that's, that's smearing me. the cards that's smearing the <laughs> that cards, is smearing the the cards. cards. Me. but i but i have but i find it in other areas like when i say i don't like music it means like cuz i would rather be watching <laughs> judge judy like yeah. i don't sure. like i don't want to yeah. be if, so would you rather drive in silence I would. Okay. Uh, a lot of times I do, but I would also rather like listen to a podcast or an audiobook. Yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. is anything like... scarier than the Uber driver who drives in silence? Is no, anything I scarier care less. than that? I could not care less. Yeah. Really? My Uber driver. Oh, I prefer has... it. Silence? Yeah, I prefer total silence. Oh, yeah, no. same, same. Because if I'm Uber in an Uber, no one's talking. Is I the can't. worst music. Wait, but if they're silent and they're not talking, that's even scarier. <laughs> I don't want to have the conversation. <laughs> But yeah. can't you, you want just to sit there on your phone and like look at Yes, but Twitter? I don't want to I, I it's too I need something, some right. background noise. See, and that's oh that's God. where we differ. I could give a fuck about the background noise. So Lizzie, Ooh, uh, we right, thought it would, anyway, would be kind of interesting yes. to talk about because this is uh, a theme that's been, you know, very central and relevant in your life. Yeah. Which is kind of health and like, here you go. This will be fun to talk about. <laughs> <Your> illness. illness. <laughs> so uh, you yeah. have you have Lyme disease. Yes. And uh, and it's been it's been a really like significant factor in your life since you right. got it. What six eight years ago? Now it's been it's been. Five years, uh, yeah. I've and I was lucky enough years. to see your one-woman show in which you, you. chronicled um, yeah. getting the diagnosis, but it but it taking so many. Right. Um, ho- uh, you had to jump through so many hoops yes. to get the actual diagnosis because um, so many male mm-hmm. doctors and so people, many murderous Uber drivers. So <laughs> many murderers. Took so much time. <laughs> they just but completely yeah. dismissed you. Yes, they did. And it's such an interesting. It was such an interesting way of talking about things that really, as a man, I, I'd never had to deal with because, yeah. unfortunately, men, doctors take men patients seriously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah Elliot, is... Elliot goes to the urologist like once a month. Uh... <laughs> just to get felt up, though. Yeah, because he, he, he loves a good tingle. He just loves um... it when he pulls, just like so hard <laughs> a little, and oh then like God. grabs the testicles and swivels yeah. around. Oh, brother. Like, See you next yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, no, but, but yeah. I, I, yeah, tell us about your experience. Yeah, sure. No, I just, um, yeah, it was, it was such a weird thing because I just, I had never had really anything significant happen to me health wise. And I started getting these like headaches where in the show I described them as like, you know, when a cat I say, like, when a cat goes like this to your boobs, like, it felt like a cat pressing down on my boobs, but all over my head. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And um, it kind of turned into a weird headache in the back of my head. And my family has a history of brain tumors, so I was nervous about it. So I went to um, urgent care and the doctor was like, you know, you need to get an MRI. So I was really nervous. I, I went and got this MRI, and um, the results, it felt like forever to get the results. It always does. Of but, so when I finally got the results, I went in, and it's just this little urgent care, and this doctor 
with very little bedside manner. <laughs> yeah. He goes, well, you don't have a tumor. And I was like, oh, thank God. And he goes, but you do have what we call an incidental. He said, you have like a vascular malformation on the front of your brain, which now I believe was caused by Lyme disease because more things happened in my brain as a yeah. result of it. Mm. And he what was like, that, but it's though? probably, it's like a vascular tumor, basically. So oh. I have this thing in the front of my brain that's constantly oozing blood. Oh, wow. Right now, guys. Brent just passed out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, what does it do? What's the side effects of it? Well, that's a great question because sometimes I get uh, vertigo still and I could, I'm not sure if it's just a Lyme symptom or if it's like I'm bleeding to yeah right <laughs> eternal bleeding or if it's time no uh so so i have this like thing and i was like so then i started to get sicker and sicker i i had this experience where like i went to the grocery store and i i was like oh my god i'm like suddenly felt like i was outside of my body and i was like this isn't my hand i don't know where i am like i i was like this mm, is so scary crazy. Oh my yeah god. And I started to get this sinking feeling like in my hips. It felt like it was like pulling me kind of like toward the ground. Then I started to become get like numbness and tingling and twitching. Like I was working at the soup at the time and I would sit at my desk and my legs would like clap together. Like it felt like thun like lightning, like cl clapping mm -hmm. together yeah. involuntarily. I went away to a comedy festival and oh yeah, in my show I talk about how I hooked up with this guy and the next morning I woke up and I couldn't feel my legs. Uh, and I'm like, which I know is every guy's dream. Of course. <laughs> like, they're all, she yeah. can't even walk. <laughs> it was that good. Right, exactly. <laughs> they told me I probably had MS. They kept testing me for MS. They tested me for ALS twice. Yeah. That's not uh, a fun one. That was terrifying. And it feels, I mean, again, this is from having seen your show, right. but just as a friend, it it just, it seems like at every turn you were sort of discarded or, or met yes. with some sort of, um, just, just you were spoken to in such a patronizing way. And it was almost always from men, I think. Right. But beyond that, it was just, you were just completely mistreated and you're a normal per. you know, like right. the idea is that at every turn you were treated in almost the most right. the, the the least kind, uh, least empathetic way about something that was really scary for you yes. and your body. It's really interesting because I did have the feeling that when I would talk to doctors, I'd have to like acclimate to be like, just act like, hey, so I've been having this. Oh, and mm -hmm. one other thing I should mention is this. Ha like I yeah. started to have to adapt this attitude of like. I know my house is on fire, but I have to act like yeah. it's like a job interview. There's, I'm just wondering, will this? Yeah, yes, I mean, exactly. And I mean, unfortunately, statistically, this is not the most uncommon thing. It actually is. It's happening in women. There are studies out there right. showing that women are receiving poor care, medical care, because, you know, the vast majority of doctors out there are male. We still right. have an imbalance in terms of medical school. It's changing in recent years that more women are going to medical school, but it's still very much a male-dominated right. profession. And so many women are saying that it's similar to in the workplace that they don't have necessarily even the language 
to communicate with on the same level as a male doctor because the male doctor is disregarding many of their symptoms because it hasn't been studied in the way that they know it's been studied. Yeah. That their yeah, male yeah. teachers have told them it's been studied. And my mom, she, my mom has lupus, and for ten years she was misdiagnosed. For ten years she was told, "Oh well, it's probably because of your uh, cer- cer- cervical cancer right. that you had. It's a symptom of the chemo that you had, or it's a symptom yeah. of this, or it's probably early menopause, or it's this." And it's like here this woman had lupus for ten years. She had right. rashes all over her skin. She was losing her hair. She couldn't feel her fingers. She was tired all the time. And it's like, what is? And she thinks she's going insane. And I yeah. thought of your mom during seeing Lizzie's show. It reminded me of your mom. It reminded mm-hmm. me of my own mom. Yeah, who had the same a similar issue. Where Alan at one point even was like, maybe it's she should get checked for lupus because she was having yeah. somewhat similar symptoms to Alan's mom, and it turned out to be chronic regional pain syndrome. But it was, ye- I mean. Years, years, a handful of years where my mom was being dismissed with right. my dad yeah. at her side at, by every male doctor. Because she's tell- a woman. Well, well literally, yeah. specifically. I yeah. will also say I do yeah. think in our culture that Ugh. at least I – are you grunting at me? It makes no, me angry. I, <laughs> it makes me so angry well, because like yeah, it, no, it's to me, I think, I think about my own situation with cancer and how, you know, I had a pain. I immediately went to a male doctor. Hmm. The male doctor thought it was an STD because I'm gay, and he was like, it must be an STD. Right. And I was terrified for a week, but I got the best care immediately. I had the surgery within 72 hours of them knowing something was happening. I was in chemo three weeks later, and that was a year. And it was like, but I was surrounded by male doctors making decisions, and no one ever doubted what I had, what my pain or what I wanted. And they don't do that with women. Like, I literally have had doctors Google symptoms in front of me and go, yeah, it doesn't look like that's what this is. And I'm like, oh, I've actually done more research than you. That's literally my mom's exact story. Same exact thing. She's like, I've done the research right. here, it, and it's it's just a wild right. a wild way of dealing of being in the world, and it's simply right. because you and my mom are both women, and right. Alan's mom is a woman. I just had something happen last week where I was like, so part of this story is I ended up having a stroke um, after. So I found out on my own that I had Lyme disease, and mm-hmm. this is because only thirty percent of the tests they give you are accurate. Mm-hmm. You have to send it to the special lab. And they, they'll tell you, so like the, the standard test that the doctor will give you if you just went to a doctor says you need these certain like bands to be positive and reactive, but it's actually one band and you're positive. So they send people away and go, well, it's not Lyme. And then they say they have fibromyalgia. They tell them they have all these other autoimmune wow. illnesses. And it's actually, there's a cause. It's a bite. You know, these, they'll, they'll, what, what really bothers me is they'll say, you know, mate, did something happen to you emotionally? Uh, and what's oh my crazy God. is my mom had died, and they were like, that can lead to fibromyalgia. Fuck that. I'm sorry. Something triggers a response in your body. <laughs> it triggers an autoimmune response. And then there's also this big kind of like, this is where I felt really conflicted is because I was so steeped in like spiritual practices. And I used to go mm-hmm. to like A Course in Miracles taught by Marianne Williamson lectures all the time. And I was like, oh, maybe I am bringing this upon myself. And maybe there's some kind of like, maybe I'm negative and I don't realize it mm-hmm. and that's making me sick because that's what they teach you. Yeah, they put that in your yeah, head. Yeah, like Louise yeah. Hay, who's this spiritual mm. guru. I used to love her. And then she's like, if you're having this symptom, it means that you hate your sister or whatever. And it's <laughs> right. like, well, it was, I mean, it was basically a, a, yeah. a, 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 a crash collision of life mistreatment by yes. doctors and sort of woo-woo spirituality yes. working against you in the, yeah. right. in the 
the way it should hope it shouldn't. Right. So I was trying did. to ignore it to a certain point and be like, I'm just going to be positive. And then my therapist at the time said, I think that's a, this is hap- I think, you know, you haven't processed your mom's death yet. I think you need to put a sign on your wall. Her name was Julie that says Julie says I'm paranoid. Oh. And put that on your wall. So anytime in the middle of the night you're having symptoms, you can just look over and remember you're insane. You're <laughs> oh not. My God. But she was trying to comfort me by saying, like, you're going through a hard time. You might be you, there. The part, this might be partly paranoia. And I was like, I'm literally in pain. Like I was yeah. I was going to work shaking. Mm-hmm. My arms were on fire. I would one night I had a spasm so bad it literally popped me out of bed like a piece of popcorn and I developed like restless leg syndrome. Oh my God. It was crazy and there was no, there were no answers. Well, and that's the thing that I think bothers me the most is that especially post, you know, when I hear stories like yours or like situation like my mom's or yours or mine, my own situation, it's like the advocacy for patients' rights Unfortunately, we don't find the importance of needing sort of accurate patients' rights right. until someone is sick or until you're sick. Because you don't think you're, you know, I live you my life. You don't prep for it. You don't right. prep How for it. You prep for that. Exactly. I lived a normal, healthy life up until cancer. And then all of a sudden, boom, I need, I, I see all of a sudden that not right. only are doctors human, they're actual human beings and can be dumb indeed as fuck. Fallible, right. like and friends. indeed fallible, exactly. But also, I need to take into account that. Perhaps doctors aren't everything and that, like you were saying, I mean, I have a a very, I think, core spiritual sense. And I I do think that there is something to, you know, the idea of the shamans back in the day or the village leaders who, sure, doctors are trained medical professionals and they know what they're doing. But at the same time, people who are living amongst you in your life, in your situation, if you're communicating about your health problems and if we get over the the fear of discussing the things we don't want to talk about, other people experience these health things. And if we talk about it, we help each other understand mm. our own health and our own healthy bodies. Right. But we're so afraid to even communicate about our health that until we get sick and then we just get angry because we don't. no one's giving us any of the answers. I know. What, what felt like, if, if there was one thing that felt like you act, it actually, did you feel like you found the right person? Did you feel like you found the right diagnosis? Was there one central thing that happened or was it you being resourceful? It was, people kept going, Lizzie, you've got to stop Googling. Just stop. You have rheumatoid arthritis or whatever the thing of the day was. One person told me I had bilateral cubital tunnel syndrome. What is that? Like, it's like extreme, it's like extreme tennis elbow. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm not even athletic. No. (laughs) By the way, when you had a stroke, like, did you, was that a scenario where you knew it was happening and went to the hospital or was it a... So this is so crazy. So at this point, I, I was working a new job. We were on hiatus. I was like, I'm going to go to Hawaii. I, th- I was like, I'm getting over Lyme. I thought I was almost better. I had been in treatment for like two years or something. Uh-huh. I came back. I could not have been in a better place emotionally. And I masturbated. And <laughs> when I climaxed, everything went black. Oh, God. That's Except right. for literally a yellow squiggly line. Which my friend was like, like the McDonald's symbol, and I'm like, kind of. <laughs> oh my god, the golden arches. Was that your and stroke? I love it. And then, and then the room got really bright, like it all, like the it was like someone turned on the lights, but like hyper lights, and I was like, oh my god, like I didn't feel it didn't I didn't feel pain. I, it was like it messed up my vision. So then, 
I like went into my bathroom and I was like, whoa, everything's so bright right now. And I looked down at my hand and when it was like right in front of me, I could see it. And then when I moved it, I couldn't see it. Like there was one field of vision missing. Yeah. And I like called my Lyme friends because by now I had all these friends and they were like, yeah, that's never happened to me. I went to an eye doctor. I was like, could it be this, this, or this? Because obviously I went on a Google Google. tear. (laughs) And then they're like, you need to get an MRI. So I went to get an MRI. And when I went back to get my results, I was in this room. My my doctor said on the phone, you've had a brain hemorrhage in the occipital lobe of your brain, which I was like, I'm not even going to Google this because I'm this one. I'm too scared. Yeah. I, I went to this stro- this clinic, and then I realized it was a stroke clinic because everyone was really old, and my doctor was—I was like, wow, there's so many senior citizens here. He was like, yes, that's because you've had a stroke. This is a clinic where we treat people with strokes. And he put my MRI up, and it was there was a pool of blood in my brain. And I go, I'm like, I keep tasting, like, metal. And he goes— that's the blood draining down the back. Oh, my God. Like, draining. Like, like wow. I have, like, an internal sewage system. So I had, like, metal breath. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> On that tarot date, you had metal breath? Oh, my God. Wait, what did, oh what did they do to treat yeah. it? Nothing. They can't do anything to treat so it. I, here, so I was like, what do I do? And this is crazy also. So Lyme is not covered by insurance. Yeah. That you talked about in the show, which blew it's my mind. It's insane. The, the government the, what's says, the Because it's your the fault? The government says <laughs> after two months, crazy. Uh, after two weeks of antibiotics, it's gone. And it's not. Oh. Lyme reproduces. Yeah, it's it's disgusting, actually. Yeah, it's a lifetime. Whoa. Um, unless you catch it right away, you see the rash, and you take medicine. Right. Healthcare makes me... So, so angry. which what's what the really crazy thing is after I realized it was Lyme, I did remember that I had had a rash on my leg and that I was late for work and I ignored you it, feel which guilty is the biggest, of, yeah. that's not like, like, it's the biggest mistake of my life. And I no, like, it's not. It, it's, it literally is one of those things that like, but it's a, but, but, but it's a rash and, and no, and any normal right. person wouldn't look at a rash and go, I better get to the doctor immediately. It's right. not. And that's the thing. Right. Like. It isn't the biggest mistake you've made. It's not because it wasn't it's you didn't do anything that most people wouldn't do. You know, like before I had chemo, I had to go to the dentist because they told me you have to go to the dentist. I went to the dentist. I had three weeks to do this. Turns out I needed a lot of work and I couldn't get any of it done. So I either had to skip chemo. Can't do that. Or get all of the teeth pulled. And it's like. And, and then they make you feel like it's your fault. Right. Like, oh, well, cancer happened now, and you should have taken care of this teeth thing six months ago. That's so, like, crazy. it's your fault. Mm. And it's right. like, it, and then for a while, I felt really embarrassed. Like, it was my fault. Like, it was a big right. mistake of mine. And yeah, you're just like, I, I felt, like, defective. You feel dirty, yeah. even. Yeah. And then at some point, I got to a, a, a realization that it's like, no, fuck that. It's not my fault. I was living my life. I wasn't doing anything wrong. This is a biological problem that just happened to me, and there was right. no control over it, and it's not embarrassing, and you shouldn't feel guilty right. about it. Mm. Do you feel more in control <laughs> now at all? Do you feel some sort of— Yeah, where are you at now? Yeah, where, where are you? What? How do you feel now? I've got to say, I feel like every day I'm rolling the dice. Mm. I really do. I have not found a doctor where I'm like, I'm with you 100%. I agree with this. What about in Every terms of resources, see, in terms yeah. of pe- like friend, people or the Lyme group? Does that feel make you feel better? The Lyme, I I am part of Lyme groups on Facebook. 
They're really depressing. It's all like my four-year-old is really like yeah. it's it is such a huge problem and there's no research going into it because it's not acknowledged that it's really overwhelming. I have a few friends with Lyme and I've become someone who people with Lyme disease call. Um, I'm going to say I was having the thought this month has been great for me health wise. And I, I feel so happy when I'm when I don't have to think about it. Sure. Yeah. But I am still on medication. I have to give myself a shot every night for blood thinner because your blood gets yeah. like sticky and I take a lot of like supplements and stuff during the day, but I, I, I feel very aware of my mortality now, and I think that is, if I can say anything great came out of it, it's that I feel very driven, and I, with you know, be just I feel more alive in a way. I I feel like my relationships are important. I feel like I want to just like connect and make things and be be present mm-hmm. in the world, not mm-hmm. to be like. And how do you feel when you masturbate now? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Can you masturbate now? I would be terrified to masturbate. Me too. I had someone help me over that. um, (gasps) That's great. A lovely neighbor of mine. (laughs) No. Wait. Gave me an orgasm. (laughs) I love it. And I told him, I was like, if something bad happens, because he was like, he was just like texting me, like, "Do you want to get together and watch whatever?" And I was like, "Just to let Does you know, your... like, I don't know if you want to be friends with me or more." Right. But I like called him. He oh lived like two blocks oh, away, wow. and I said, "I had a stroke <laughs> and from an orgasm, so I don't know if you want to be friends or like more than that." But I that's kind of your... like why I, maybe I'm not responding right now. <laughs> oh my god! And he was like, "Well, that's fine. Like, we can just hang out or whatever, you know, like." But well, then, I thought he said that's fine. You had the stroke. I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> this, guy, this guy's not you, a winner. Before uh, you go, I, you know, having gone through all this stuff yeah. and still going through it, does spirituality and tarot and horoscopes and does that all feel? Has that shift? I just, I'm just curious yeah. as a person, has that shifted its value in your life at all? It it has shifted the way I perceive it. And there are certain people where I'm like, I can't listen to your voice. Mm. <laughs> certain spiritual gurus are like, nope, I, I'm not. I'm not listening to that. So who do you take it, seriously or who do you yeah. like? That's a great question. Um, who Brene do I Brown. like right now? What about the, the <laughs> Susan, I mean, actually the, the yeah. woman who all the all she's like the, the like queen of horoscopes for millennials. Suzanne Sugarbaker. Powder? Susan. Oh my god, that's so funny. Oh, Susan Miller? Susan Miller. Yeah, I like oh, Susan Miller astrology. I actually name. met her a long time ago. Well, there you go. Lizzie, oh. thank you so much oh, for doing Lizzie, the podcast. You're the best. You Where the can best. people thank follow you, so you on the me. interwebs? I mean, at Lizzie Cooperman, at L-I-Z-Z-Y-C-O-O-P-E-R-M-A-N. And, uh, yeah. I love Thanks you. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for Buy having me. Buy her album. Me. Buy her album. Oh, my God, yes. It's yeah. called Organism. I would love that. Bye, Lizzie. Thanks Bye. for being here. Thank Bye, Thank you so much, you guys. And another thing. So there's a good tradition or unspoken tradition um, in people coming out, at least in our generation, where it's often said that before you come out and or right after you come out, there's a lot of overcompensation. And I was thinking recently about how by by my own standards, um, my sister was teasing me for um, trying to overcompensate a lot in high school by <laughs> by uh, uh, by um, 
putting pictures on my wall of Brooke Shields. Oh, God. I did a lot of cutouts of Brooke Shields, but we're talking, like, suddenly Susan Brooke Shields with pantsuits, and, like, there's a picture of her, like, in a recliner with a cigar, (laughs) and it's, like, so sexless and so almost masculine in in that sense that I was really trying to cover my bases. That is so funny. But also then when I, right before I came out, literally the week before I came out, all I was doing was talking about how beautiful black women were yeah, <laughs> and how I was deeply attracted to women of color. Like, that was, like, my thing. I was oh, like, bro. By the way, <laughs> when you had your brief phase where you thought you were going to go back in the closet, where you were like, I, didn't I don't know. I was going to go back in the closet. I was you gonna, thought you were going to date women again. Tack that on and try that. Uh, yeah. Again, when I say again, I mean since he wrestled with a first grader when he was in first grade. <laughs> um, listen to previous episodes. That's a reference to that. Uh, His first hookup. I remember you, you brought up that you're like, I've always found black women beautiful. No, I mean, I, I, probably, I don't know. I just, I think there was, I think there was a lameness of, I think that was lame. I think I was like, what are you, I'm thinking back, I'm like, what are you doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, there, it's just like there, there's this bizarre overcompensation that also happens after you come out. Yeah. Where a lot of guys, at least gay guys that I know, have overcompensated for the first year. I've heard they a lot of people say, affect. you put on the affect for the yeah. first year to let everybody know. And I'm then, here, I'm queer, get used to it. <laughs> and then you sort of <laughs> settle into like who you actually are. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of guys necessarily uh, de- develop out of that per se. I mean, maybe there's a, it's, that's mm-hmm. sort of the, the, the yin and yang of being a gay adult. Well, But did you guys ever overcompensate before or after? I, I After I came out, I wore a lot of pink. I remember. I know that. I, I wore a lot that. of pink. Really? And, and I you had grabbed a good them as titties. Yeah. You were a titty grabber. I was, I, like, my you friends. You were that gay. I he was like know, Rip Taylor. I know. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I hate myself as much as you I, do. I, listen, I, believe me, I hate myself from then, too. I can't think of my, I mean, I, I, I mean. You weren't I, necessarily closeted. I was always kind of gay. Um, I will say the one area that I do feel like I did overcompensate was the, I was always embarrassed by um, the music I, and, and the thing is when I say I liked the music, it wasn't so much that I liked the music. I liked the performative aspect of the music and what it brought out in what I wanted to be the performer like in me. Like Madonna? Like Madonna, Bette Midler, these people. And so I would, whenever friends would come over to the house, which was very rare because most of my friends sucked and I just wanted to watch TV alone. <laughs> um, but uh, when they did, I would always hide the CDs mm, of like sure. Bette Midler in like a Led Zeppelin CD case <gasps> or something. Oh, That's wow. brilliant. Because I didn't want anyone to know that yeah. I was loving Bette Midler and I was like lip syncing to it and stuff. You I know? cultivated. Wait, wait, does I, that mean they were like, Alan loves Led Zeppelin? Yeah. That's yeah. so good. I had a big and Bob I, Marley collection, and I oh didn't own God. one Bob Marley CD. By the CD. way, even nine-year-old— I would old, throw them out. I would throw them out. Alan, even <laughs> nine-year-olds were like, uh, we can see through you, faggot. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. I remember um, I, I cultivated uh, knowledge amongst my friends that I had terrible taste in music, and I always have. Or just really eclectic and weird. I would yeah. not, I'd say eccentric. Eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I never worried too much about my music coming across. Uh, I well, But I will say to your what you just said about um, after you come out and having that sort of years of whatever, uh, I've always found that a lot of times people who come from very difficult queer backgrounds, and because oftentimes we aren't allowed to grow up. I mean, I had the benefit of being able to grow into my queerness in a way that I don't think a lot of kids did. And because a lot of kids don't have that. I haven't grown into my queerness, but yeah. <laughs> being gay. Um, and they didn't. They don't have that. They do take those few years, to, and they do really queen out. Sure. And it, But it's because they're coming from a place where they, 
in an area you often that they didn't they weren't allowed to be that, that person. Brent was allowed to do whatever he wanted to. <laughs> and I think the ones that kind of stay in that mold, yeah. it's because it's secure. It's this you you finally get a chance. Sometimes it's secure. Sometimes it comes from a place of I think oh sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no 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 go ahead. The idea that like it it uh it, it's secure in a way, but it's also I think there's a fear of learning how to unsubscribe from the sort of checklist of things you're supposed to be and then balance that with being a a fully rounded person with a sexuality that is part of your personality, but not the full definition. Sure. I think that's I, I think I don't know. I, I hear that, but I also think you're putting a lot of yourself onto that, yeah, and you're for reading sure. a lot into the, a lot of that. When in reality, this person who is very queeny and what you think is reductive to them is a very fulfilling part of their lifestyle. That, I'm not thinking of queenness. That, I'm talking about like taste. Well, that's what I mean. That the things that they like and say and do to us, yes, are is very reductive. I'll say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't fucking understand Britney, <laughs> Britney Spears. Spears. I don't get it. I never have. I think she's untalented. And everyone's like, oh my How God, dare she's you. having another mental breakdown. And I'm like, yeah, she's always been having a mental breakdown. Thank God she's gone. Um, but uh, I actually like Britney. You do, yeah, no. I do. But there's a lot of, and that that I think you could you could say is a very reductive thing for like gay guys to be all about Britney Spears and go crazy at the gay bar and oops I did it again. And in reality, it's like they get something from that. They take something from that that is a part of their identity that makes them feel good. And even yeah, though I, wanna, I, I think it's a piece of shit, yeah. I think yeah. it's horrible. I'm also like, get it, get it, get yeah. get, get uh, your no, freak I, on. I, I think yeah, for sure. I think. Get your freak on, guys. Get your freak on. I know we can be curmudgeonly. Uh, Elliot and I more so can be curmudgeonly. Because I'm a free spirit. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) No. No, but I I know we can be curmudgeonly, but I I mean, I think my fervent belief has always been you do, yeah, do whatever makes you happy. I I get bummed out when I don't, whether it's me projecting or not, I don't think that that actually makes you happy. Right. And it, it, outside of whatever it is, Britney Spears aside, whatever it is that you're doing that you think is what you should be doing, yeah. and if you don't necessarily want to be doing that or whatever, that's what bumps. So if it, well, if it reads it's to you as disingenuous yes. and then reads to you as a form of overcompensation, yes. it can rub you the wrong but way. But I think that's it. The 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 idea that people are thinking that they have the answer to what people should be doing when in reality we should all be doing whatever the fuck we want to be doing and existing in whatever the fuck way we want to exist without having any sort of you know set list of how you're supposed to exist so if the Britney Spears queen who's twerking and shit is giving me shit for like you know loving Diane Keaton and enjoying a and nice Angela Merkel and Angela oh I love Angela Merkel <laughs> I'm so sad to see her go um, but uh, for, for loving that like, if you're going to give me shit and say I'm not as an equal enough of a of a gay as you are just because I don't like Britney Spears, well, then that's when I have the problem. That's sure. the bullshit line. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's cartoonish. So, I mean, but th- I think that's it. Like, if, you know, we just need to accept one another. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I just... Did you overcompensate? As a... Uh, after I came out? Yeah. Uh, I did. <laughs> What'd you do? What did you do? Other just... than dye your hair. Yeah, don't no, say you dyed your hair. We know about the clipboard phase. Yeah. I got into denim... Head. What? I was like, I'm wearing. I'm only gonna wear black and denim. And I was like, I, I somehow. What found, does that mean? I found myself like, what did you wear? 
Diesel. I was like, oh, I have to wear diesel jeans. I have to buy diesel. I have to like. Oh yeah. It was the key people I was surrounded by at school who I who were very wealth wealthy and came from like you know jappy backgrounds. I was like, oh okay, I'll take the cue from them. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly I was like, my parents were like, why are you buying these? What are you doing? You know, and I had a year where I was like, you know, just just mesh. You wore a mesh shirt for a while. I just thought I just overcompensated. Did you wear a mesh shirt? No, once, once. Yes, yeah, once. (laughs) Once. But I I overcompensated by, again, out of confusion, thinking I needed to be like kind of glam or like jappy, fancy and jappy in a way that I think I took literally like nine months. But nine months in, I remember being like. Oh no 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 oh, no 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 no! This is you want to be wearing a mumu. I want to be wearing like like vintage children's entertainer clothes. I bought this cap tan from Marshalls. Oh, it's the best thing ever. Then or now? Just like last week. Both, I think. Yeah, last week I did. Congratulations! Thank you. That is not overcompensation. That is perfection. That's perfection. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? I remember your acne face. It wasn't pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My Aunt Joanne would say, uh, your Uncle David puts puts Band-Aids on his pimples, too, just like Brent. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) Alan, what would Ramona say? Nope. Ramona. Alan, what would... What would your Aunt Anne say? My Aunt Anne would say, I don't care what you say about makeup. Nobody has seen the true shade of my face, and nobody ever <laughs> will. Yours are always so good. Yeah, Thank they're you. really good. I hate <laughs> I hate you, and I hate your aunt. <laughs> I hate her, too. <laughs> I'm Elliot Glazer. Thanks for listening. I'm, I'm H. Allen Scott. <laughs> I'm Brent Sullivan. I'm Aunt Anne. <laughs> Starbanks Avenue, a podcast network.